When you think of great duos, who do you think of? Jordan and Pippen or LeBron and Dwayne Wade. I mean, I talk about basketball a lot here on this podcast, but for the Barcelona version, there's PK and Puyol or PK and Mascherano or the easy example of Xavi and Iniesta. And as you can hear from my voice, the perfect teammates aren't just professional athletes. It's cold season. I guess the flu and cold medicine, perfect teammates as well. But in this case, when it comes to growing your business, that's you and Shopify. Shopify is a global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms. To be honest, I've been doing this show long enough. And as I mentioned, it's cold and flu season. You hear it in my voice, especially during the holiday season. So whenever it comes to this business, anything that I can set up and kind of have working in the background that I know and can trust is just plugging along without my attention. Those are the things that I really value at this point. So when my brain is foggy, all I can do is manage to turn on the microphone, talk to the guest, or just talk to myself and get out a piece of content. Everything else, having that all automated or working in the background, that's been important to keeping me sane. And that's the thing about something like Shopify. What I do love about Shopify is how no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. So no matter how big or small, how good of a month or how bad of a month, things are just the same working in the background. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is a global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs on every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's extensive help resources are there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tbpod, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash tbpod now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash tbpod. Welcome to episode 403 of the Barcelona Podcast, brought to you by the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Dan Hilton, and he's Kevin Williams. And Kevin Williams, you're going to have to be carrying some of the heavy lifting today, because as you can hear, yeah, I'm back from my travels. Thanks, everybody, for all the, the kind words about some rest and relaxation. I did some of that on my little European vacation, but uh, my nephews also got me sick. So here we are back in the home studio, but now <laughs> dealing with a little bit of a cold. But uh, fortunately for me, it's just a little bit of cold. And unlike Sergio Roberto, who's, uh, yeah, I guess we start with some bad news here. Dislocated shoulder for him as the one of the four captains that you could argue was playing best this season. Sergio Roberto, surprise, surprise, was the captain that was actually showing out. And uh, he will likely be out minimum two weeks. That is a dislocated shoulder. I mean, that's when it stops like being a little bit owie owie for any activity. And then we'll see. Yeah. I mean, it could be up to six to 12 weeks. I mean, dislocated shoulders are, uh, it's very individual. Uh, again, I'm no doctor, but it's very individual and it depends on recovery, but also how much you use it. And certainly you have to use it, not to say quite a bit. It's not like he's a baseball pitcher, but you do use it quite a bit in, in a game where you have to go toe to toe with somebody mano a mano, especially as a fullback when you're constantly going hip to hip with somebody. Well, and the worst thing is that whenever he gets in form, he seems to get injured. Um, he is pretty uncanny that way and i will be one of the first ones to tell you that you know i think he is past it he's not in the liability phase of his game with 98 percent of the team Barcelona faces but with that upper two percent meaning champions league he's not the fullback you want out there but Liga matches, he's fine. He should be fine for most of Europa League, <laughs> uh, which is more and more likely unless uh, Victoria Poulsen can you know, pull off a minor miracle. And But, I mean, it's a bummer for him because, I mean, he really was undergoing his sort of geriatric renaissance. Worked really well with Dembélé yesterday, who... When you give him someone to run alongside him and uh, you know, play off of, you see the results. He sort of had a reasonably decent match yesterday, right? Well, it's interesting because usually I've been very critical of his and Demelli's partnership. I think it has largely been, I don't want to say 
trash. Uh, that's a bit uh, too much. But in the preseason in particular, I thought Dembele was good in the preseason. But the only times he struggles when it was him and Roberto. But as you said, Roberto, for about the last month, was in the best form he has been in. Well, since he's basically been out for the last two years, you could say, I mean, 2019 is the first year we're talking about now when he was, and you said geriatric, but in 2019, when he was last in form, he was 27 at that time, right? He's 30 now, which he should, <laughs> geriatric should not be the word for 30 old. But again, here we are with Sergio Roberto. But yeah, I, I think yesterday, I mean, we're going to start with Demolay because he's he's the whole reason we're kind of even recording on the Monday instead of the Tuesday, to be honest with you. If Barcelona had not gone out, if they had gotten punched in the mouth a little bit by Athletic Club, as some might have expected them to, then we would probably be talking tomorrow. But we're talking today because it's all about Usman and Dembele. And the difference with Sergio Berto prior to yesterday and yesterday was he was much more dynamic, overlapping runs around Dembele. Yes, he was still making the runs inside. That's how he scored the second goal. But I thought Sergio Roberto's movement and space, I mean, creating space for Dembele is the whole name of the game. We've seen against Inter Milan with the five at the back. We've seen when Barcelona do have those problems in the Champions League that there's constant double teams coming his way. And his decision-making, coupled with two to three defenders marking him, does lead to some criticism for Dembele. But we saw when it was Gabi who went from the left interior. Well, I mean, it was he was on the right interior, and then he moved back to the left for the Champions League and for matches to try to get something better out of him there. But now he's moved back to the right and he was actually making some runs in behind the back line. He was actually making runs into opportunistic positions to kind of run underneath as well. And if you're going to get movement in behind from Gabi, if you're going to get movement overlapping from Sergio Roberto, that tells me that there is finally space for Ismaili Dembele. And Kevin, you know, I, I pretty much set you the runway. I'm, t- I'm tired of planes, but I've got it on my mind. But I pretty much set you the runway. And it's time for you to go to 10,000 feet on Dembele, I think. Look, I mean, he, Xavi finally watched his Dortmund tapes and said, hey, he needs somebody to run alongside him. Maybe that'll help. I mean, when you use the normal uh, Barcelona setup and you stick him on the wing, give him the ball and say, here you go make some magic, he's not going to be able to. I mean, he's not that kind of player. He's never been that kind of player. When you give him the ball at his feet with a runner and some space to move into, now he's not, contrary to what people think, going to give you a goal and three assists every match. I mean, it's absurd to have the people saying, well, if he uh, played like that, Regularly, I would trust him more. But if he played like that, he'd be messy. And he would have left uh, the club in the summer window, right? I mean, he is a player who, let's not forget, spent most of Barcelona years injured. And now that he's been fit uh, for as long as he ever has been at the club, I mean, I and Xavi's confidence in him, he's seeing results. I mean, last night was extraordinary because Athletic Club didn't have the fleetest of foot fullbacks, shall we say, um, which let he and Balde have a field day. But I mean, you also saw the result of, let's not forget that when De Jong drove the ball, right, I mean, versus Grandpa Busquets, that also changed the shape of uh, the athletic club defense and gave them Dembele as well as Sergi Roberto more running space. I mean, when you have uh, Busquets sitting there contemplating, you know, trying to dish out through balls versus having someone drive the ball through the midfield at the uh, defense, it makes a huge difference. It not only creates imbalances, um, but it makes a defense move. And I mean, both matches against Inter, you know, Xavi went with the traditional, right? I mean, and I think the results will be Barcelona playing in the uh, Europa League. But I mean, you know, the quote from Xavi, where he said, I want Dembélé to do what he does. He's going to lose balls. That's fine. I don't want him to stop doing what he does, I think summed it up. I mean, Xavi has fully committed, and I think yesterday we saw why. Now, I don't know that you're always going to have that set up, um, but if anything, 
that they can do to keep keep from isolating Dembele on the flanks, right? Hey, you, go beat three defenders. Well, he's not going to be able to. Same with uh, Rafinha. Um, but if you get them the ball on the move with a player or two to overlap in a midfield drive in the attack, I mean, they're, he and Rafinha are very different players. And it was fun to watch. And, I mean, obviously, I it was, it was funny. He got a perfect 10 from who scored. And I was like, huh, well, it would have been a um, 8.5 for me because I still felt like he wasn't done defending uh, like he should, given his pace. But, hey, who am I? Yeah, I mean, I would argue that it might be a 10 of 10 because we're setting the expectations of what he's supposed to do and what his job is. And it was interesting, too, because he had, he was 0 for 3 in his crosses, which is a good sign, believe it or not, that Barcelona are going to win 4 nothing because the rest of the stats were pretty good. I mean, we talked about losing the ball as well. And I've said before that the sweet spot for him is between 12 and like 18. If he's dispossessed or loses the ball between 12 and 18 times, and it's also where he loses the ball is really important too, which is what he did yesterday. Whenever he lost the ball, he lost in the final third, but he also had yes. 17 final third passes completed. And that number is, is more important. I mean, so think about that. He may have lost the ball 16 times, most of which were in the final third of the other team. But he completed 17 final third passes, which just creates so much more havoc and is more positive than anything he does negative for you. So three assists, three shots on goal, four key passes or chances created, whatever you want to call them. He was four for five on his accurate long balls, too. So Barcelona were, I mean, Young had two or three long balls, diagonal balls, which you don't really see from him often. And the overlapping runs from Balde on one side with, and now we're kind of talking about formation, right? And how what got the best out of Dembele and is what Ernesto Valverde also admitted, what kind of caught him on the chin was that Xavi, you know, he pulled that old, what if we have Andres Iniesta, I mean, Pedri on the left wing and have him coming inside a little bit. And that worked to great effect, not only offensively, but defensively on the press as well, because it was Robert Lewandowski defending with a little bit of David Villa shade because he would go out to the left wing when Pedri would come inside and Barcelona had the versatility against Athletic Club, who they play a 4-4-2. You know they're going to play a 4-4-2. Well, it's been a little bit of a, almost a 4-5-1 this year with Inaki Williams up top and then Nico Williams uh, on the right wing. But even if it's a 4-5-1 or a 4-4-2, regardless of what Athletic Club is in, those four midfielders were that, that variation, if you will, because Pedri was able to kind of play in this free role up in a diamond where Busquets would be the, the pivot. And then you have Gabi and De Jong both kind of making runs in behind. But then it was Pedri who would come in the center. Then there were times where the actual formation that Xavi did give on paper to the journalists at the stadium was a 4-3-3 with Pedri playing as a left winger. And you did see that. And it was a good sign to me that Pedri was, I would argue, his least effective in weeks. But Barcelona were their most effective in weeks. And that's a good sign. Because it wasn't everything on Pedri. Pedri was able to just be disciplined, was able to move the ball. I mean, his diagonal balls are stand really, really good. And both he and De Jong, and this is why topic number two here is, I'm not sure if it was Dembele's best game for Barcelona. It probably was. But it was definitely 100% Alejandro Balde's best game in a Barcelona uniform right now. And, oh, and, I, my and, that, that's, and that's the transition. The formation also got the best out of him. Because you have De Jong, who is helping him defend. Because again, playing basically in a double pivot at times with Pedri in front of both he and Busquets. So De Jong was right there to help him defend. And he knew he could get forward with reckless abandon. But in the same regard for what Balde was doing, he shut Nico Williams down. If anyone, if, if nobody's been watching, the 21, the 20, 21, but 20 year old Nico Williams has arguably been the most exciting 20 year old in the Liga this season. And no disrespect to Ansu Fati, but it's been Nico Williams. Right now, but Balde, within the first few minutes, shut him down one for one, just stood him up. 38th minute, they try to double-team him. He dribbles out of trouble there or passes out of trouble using a wall pass. And then even late in the game, he picks Nico Williams' pass, just kind of tell you, hey, this is summarizing today's game. I had Nico Williams in my pocket all day, and I also got forward. My final ball, I mean, again, that's really his whole thing, right? The final ball is, it is what it is. It's not there yet. But at 18 years old, he's dribbling. His press resistance, his passing, his defending, it's just so much better than I thought it would be. 
I mean, again, I, I, just, I keep repeating myself, Kevin, and you can add on to this, but he was getting absolutely manhandled. I mean, he was 17, and the difference between 17 and 18 is a lot different between it's a lot different between, again, you and I getting a year older, but from 17 to 18, it's a huge step. But for, for him to take, I mean, again, last year in the, in the third division of Spain, he was getting just bodied by grown men, by big men were just leaving him in the dust. And not physically, I mean, speed-wise, because he always was faster. But I mean, just physically, a little touch was going to knock him off his mark. But he has just stood strong this year. He's strong. He's uh, strong enough, I should say. He's strong enough and fast enough. To, to problem solve. And if you have a left back that can problem solve, that does solve a lot of your problems. When you think of great duos, who do you think of? Jordan and Pippen or LeBron and Dwayne Wade. I mean, I talk about basketball a lot here on this podcast, but for the Barcelona version, there's PK and Puyol or PK and Mascherano or the easy example of Xavi and Iniesta. And as you can hear from my voice, the perfect teammates aren't just professional athletes. It's cold season. I guess the flu and cold medicine perfect teammates as well. But in this case, when it comes to growing your business, that's you and Shopify. (coughs) Shopify is a global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms. To be honest, I've been doing this show long enough. And as I mentioned, it's cold and flu season. You hear it in my voice, especially during the holiday season. So whenever it comes to this business, anything that I can set up and kind of have working in the background that I know and can trust is just plugging along without my attention. Those are the things that I really value at this point. So when my brain is foggy, all I can do is manage to turn on the microphone, talk to the guest, or just talk to myself and get out a piece of content. Everything else, having that all automated or working in the background, that's been important to keeping me sane. And that's the thing about something like Shopify. What I do love about Shopify is how no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. So no matter how big or small, how good of a month or how bad of a month, things are just the same working in the background. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is a global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen and millions of other entrepreneurs on every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's extensive help resources are there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tbpod, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash tbpod now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash tbpod. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. As you know, that's the thing I've been clamoring for since Abidal left is, is having a fullback, preferably a left back uh, that can problem solve. You know, he broke up a number of plays in the box as well. He's got sideline to sideline range. He knows how to defend by moving forward into the attacker instead of running away as uh, Jordi Alba does. And, I mean, you know, it's just I watched him. I got to watch him live twice uh, when I was in Barcelona about a year ago, uh, just over a year ago. And he didn't look ready, <laughs> you know, not, I mean, and, and so I, I have no idea what happened to him. 
basically in one year, but he's gone from being not ready to being far and away the best fullback on the team. And I mean, if, you know, I appreciate how much people liked Serginho Dest, but if Dest had done what Balde has done, he'd still be at the club, right? He just wasn't good enough in, in any parameter where Balde is good enough in 95% of what a fullback needs, right? Even if you uh, take into account the people who think that Barcelona fullbacks need to attack first, and then if they can defend, that's nice. Going forward, he offers more than anybody else on the side as well. It's just a remarkable thing. I don't know if it, it's Xavi, if it's just time. I have no idea what happened and I wish I did and I hope someone says one day so Alejandro what the heck happened between this time last year and now because I mean he has been transformed and he is I would argue right now I can't think of a young fullback in La Liga and maybe European football period I've heard a lot of young fullbacks better than him. Obviously, Davies comes out, right? Those guys like that. But I mean, he's easily in the top 10 for young fullbacks in European football. And that's remarkable. Yeah, I, I think, well, for, for starters, I will say Jordi Alba's final ball, his final third ball is still, I think, the best on the team. But as you have made mention, the rest of it has left Jordi Alba a little bit behind. I mean, and I, I think that's why we've seen, I mean, this season and his salary means that Xavi won't do it. But yeah, I mean, what Jordi Alba, what you lose defensively from Jordi Alba, his positioning has been, was especially in the preseason, was rough. His final third ball in the preseason was rough. And, and then if, if you don't have his final third ball, then you don't really have Jordi Alba because that's the whole point of Jordi Alba. That's why his partnership with Messi works so well all those years. And for, to try to answer what happened with Balde, well, when you had seen him one year ago, Again, he was just recovering from a long-term shoulder injury, having previously had an ankle injury before that. Uh, and so last year was just a lot of start and stop for him. And that can be really difficult for a young player to kind of find their form. And my argument with Balde has always been this. What I saw from him physically, just the tools, was that once his teammates got better, that he might get better. And we do see that from some Barca Athletic or Barca B players, where once the talent around them increases... Kayato was actually kind of one of those arguments where I figured that Kayato would step his game up as his teammates got better, which is interesting because of how good he's been for Elche this year, because his teammates have actually not gotten better for him and he has gotten quite better. Um, And he's also much more on the ball in a way that he wouldn't be at Barcelona. So I think for Kayato, you're kind of seeing some of the best of Kayato at Elche because of what he's able to, or the responsibility he's being given that he would not be given at Barca. I mean, if he would be on a field at all, aside on Kayato. But for Balde too, I think some credit, we don't know the exact answer, but some credit must be due to Xavi. Because again, yes. this kid from the end of last season in May to now went from a play that I was like, oh, I mean, I, in my preseason predictions, I even said, well, if he doesn't go out on loan because he's the third left back. Um, but I mean, the week after that, we learned that Alonso was signed because the club was really banking on pushing Alba out to Inter Milan or AC Milan, ironically enough. And so the club is really banking on only one of those two being around. And they did expect Balde to be around. So Xavi had already kind of seen in preseason something enough that he was going to be around. And I, again, I was nervous because, I mean, you know me. I mean, I'm watching Barca Athletic. I'm, I, I know about the U16 cadet Oz. And so I'm saying, hey, you know, I, I can't count my chickens before they hatch. I just want these kids to get some minutes. And I really hope that I was hoping he would get between 500 and 700 minutes a season. And obviously he is going to blow through that because he is, it's October. And I, I think Alba, I'm not sure what his future is going to be in January because his salary is just too high. You know what I mean? You and I have talked about this for too many players over the seasons. There's no way that if you're Jordi Alba, you are leaving the club in any capacity, right? He's a captain of the club still. And his salary is still to say egregious would would be giving would be taking away a few euros from him. And I think that you're going to just continue to see Alonso and you're occasionally going to see Alba pop up. But Balde is a starter and it does beg the question, 
that especially after la- for yesterday, the criticism to to, to Xavi is probably reasonable too. That if Balde starts against Inter in Italy, maybe Barcelona are in the Champions League. And I kind of said that. I softly said that. Where I don't think Alonso played poorly against Inter in Inter uh, at Inter, but he also couldn't. <sighs> well, well, it's it's systemic because he could because you had a fullback who could not get around that right back. They were able to bring right. everybody in. So it was not a matter of what Alonso didn't do. It's what a matter of what Alonso can't do that a Balde can do, right? So it's not that Alonso did something wrong. It's that Balde does solve that problem in a way that Alonso didn't. And so I kind of had thrown that out there and said, like, I don't want to blame Alonso here. But now in hindsight, that could have been a decision that – and it's crazy to say that Xavi's big, big mistake this season was not starting an 18-year-old fullback. That is a hard pill to swallow if you're if you're if you're Xavi Hernandez. But it's real. And the thing is on form, on you know, form also argued for Balde yeah. starting. I mean, there was nothing that young man did nothing wrong. And, you know, when you roll out a for me anyway, reprehensible human as well as geezer, right, over your best fullback on form because of some, I don't know, you know, veteran mouse or what the heck ever. I mean, I feel like Javi's selection and tactics in both those matches damaged the club as much as, well, not as much as PK did, but, or Busquets, but I mean, his lineups didn't set the team up for the most success because you had Dembele over there saying, here's the ball, go make magic. You, ha- I mean, play is so slow when, when Busquets has the reins. And so really Inter could just walk from side to side. You know? yeah, I mean, I argue too, though, that, that Kunde healthy, Barca get a better result in both of those matches. And then, yes, that's the PK yes. obviously gets replaced. But, I mean, even yesterday, like, Kunde is just, he puts out fires in, yes, Araujo does as well. So this is not about Araujo. Araujo's not around. So of the center backs right now, Kunde puts out fires. That's what happened. And so, I mean, we saw even late in the game where Ter Stegen, he got a little bored. You know, he's like, ah, oh, you know, we, we haven't conceded at home yet. So let, let's let, let, let's have some fun. And he goes he goes on a walkabout. And yet his defense still with Kunde and Eric Garcia. And I think those two really complement each other really well, that being Kunde and, and Garcia, because they both move the ball very quickly. They move the ball well. And Kunde just makes Eric better because, you know, I know you've gone in on Eric many, many times. Like, no, he's not the starter. He's their... He can't defend. No, he cannot. He just no, no, can't he can't. Defend. He's their third or fourth center back. But that's what happens with Eric Garcia. When you put the best ball distributor on the team next to Kunde or Araujo, you're going to get some good stuff. You're going to get an ability to control a game. And, and it's, it's all been about control. And four midfielders plus Eric plus Kunde, that's why Athletic Club had no shot with even touching that ball. They didn't get a whiff of it yesterday because when you have, again, you overload your midfield and you also have the ball distribution from Eric and Kunde, the ball just moves quick enough. I mean, that that's one of your big arguments too, that when, when Barcelona aren't playing well, they're not moving the ball fast enough. And that continues to be the argument for Eric Garcia in La Liga. And I think that's another big, that's another big microcosm of this season. Cause I, I want to talk about Lewandowski here, but uh, kind of to take us and transition into that Barcelona in the Liga, Eric Garcia is good enough. Sergio Roberto is good enough. We'll have to see about Bayerine. Busquets is good enough. Rafinha has been good enough. But in the Champions League, the minute that competition has been raised, the minute that the players on the other team are good enough to defend and then come out on the counterattack, then you're right. Eric Garcia is Barca's third or fourth center back because Araujo, Koundé, and Christensen should all be running backwards or defending against the likes of Chalangu or whoever it may be, right? Like it just, they, they should be better. And so Eric Garcia is not up to it. Roberto is not up to it. You know, the, the second that that happens, that that competition is raised, now you're, you're looking for them. And so for me, Sergio Roberto deserves to be on this team as the backup right back, because that is what he is. Bayerine is also a backup right back. And Barca have two backup right backs. Eric Garcia, again, he's an overqualified four center back, but he is the four center back. And, I, and I'm totally fine with that. He's cheap. 
He's on thir- 3 million euros a year and he's got, you know, captain material and he's 21 years old. So he could still improve defending. Probably won't, but he still might. And if he's a third or fourth center back, you're in a good spot there. And the, the interesting thing about Lewandowski, and I think this is the interesting thing too, that Lewandowski was supposed to be good enough everywhere, but Lewandowski has been way good enough for the Liga. That's why Barcelona are still kind of on pace with the exception of El Clasico. And I mean, how good was that goal yesterday? I know we're not seeing the Champions League. That's not really what I'm talking about here. But gosh, how good was he yesterday? So he had space. And he had space because of movement. Both intermatches, right, with that lack of movement, then Inter could just park two defenders on him. In the uh, Classique, I mean, you know, he was mostly single teams. But I mean, that, I mean, Barcelona played so poorly in that match. And... There again, you saw a lineup and was like, yeah, no surprise. But I noted the other week, I think that Lewandowski's at that phase now, that veteran phase, where his his knob is turned down just a notch, right? Time, minutes, right? And so at the point of the spear, again, those top 2 3% of teams that you see in Champions League, He's not quite there anymore, you know, and that's what happens to top players. Benzema somehow has managed to uh, defy time. Lewandowski, Villarreal, awesome athletic club, awesome, right? Bayern, you know, he's that little edge is gone and goals that a year or two ago he knocks in. Now they're going wide, they're going over. It's just a consequence of aging. And the uh, the fascinating thing now is I hope that Xavi's repeated use of uh, Ferran Torres at the nine, which is where I think he will be eventually useful, none of this second striker nonsense. If he's not your guy in the box, get him off the field if he's a liability. So, you know, my hope is that Xavi is planning a head for when Lewandowski takes that next notch back, right, and becomes slightly less effective in Liga, etc. And I mean, he is a fantastic um, uh, player. I was raving about his touch, his first touch on our Twitter uh, today. Um, he picked one ball out of the air that was knocked him over distance from Ter Stegen. He looked like Neymar pulling that ball down. It was crazy. And oh, you don't know, that 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 turn yesterday and like immediately knowing yes. where the goal was, he scores that goal. I mean, so that's the argument though. This season of his was it fourteen goals? Eight mm-hmm. of those goals he scores against everybody, and it is as you said about space. Like system wise, if there is space for him, you're right. There was that the one against what was it Inter or is it against Bayern on that cross where he just goes wide on the back post. Like that's one of those that's going to haunt him for the rest of this season, and he is missing some of those. But he's also the one against Villarreal, he scores against anybody. The one yesterday, he scores against anybody. And I I think. I don't know. Because, I mean, Neuer is a higher. I mean, that's what killed Pedri. When Neuer's not there on Wednesday. So good luck to Bayern Munich then. Uh, Because I I mean, the thing about Pedri, I don't know if Pedri really fully comprehended how good a keeper Neuer was. I mean, both those. Shots are goals against, I would say, 99.9% of keepers in the league. You've got that top 0.1% of guys, your, you know, your Oblox, your Casillas, your Neuer, you know, I mean, so Pedri did everything right as far as he was concerned, but Neuer was the, was the mutant, right? And I think, I mean, I, I just, I, I love Lewandowski's, yeah, I wish that the uh, club didn't have to spend as much money as it did to get a 34-year-old in the last year of his contract. But you could argue that the need necessitated the outlay. Um, I have, I mean, uh, Lewandowski has been fantastic this Yeah, Barcelona year. would not have enough goals this season to get by without Lewandowski. They, they needed someone who you yes. could guarantee that almost 30 goals. I mean, that is what you're talking about. Um, if you're especially... It was unexpected, the form that Rafinha would be in. And, and that's where I, I do want to transition a bit to the Bayern Munich thing now, because, and it's kind of where we end it. 
<laughs> with the way the Farron Torres has played the last two games, what we still have yet to see from Ansu, and then we see in moments, but we still haven't seen, and then what we saw from Dembele yesterday. I mean, you can immediately put Dembele should be starting on the right wing against Bayern Munich. Xavi has made some mistakes with his lineups, as we've said this year, but I don't think he was, he'd be willing to make that mistake again. So it should be Dem- Dembele on the right wing. Lewandowski's obviously going to start in the middle. Now you're speaking about the left wing, and your answer is, I mean, Ansu really is the only left winger for that team because as you as we made mention, Ferran Torres should be coming into that game late to be in the middle of the field. Yeah. Uh, and I agree with you wholeheartedly that Ferran Torres, that run he made where he didn't even have to look at the goal because when he is straight on, he knows exactly where the goal is and he can find his positions and run in behind. And it all makes a ton of sense. Ferran Torres makes all the sense in the world when he plays in that position and does what he did yesterday. I mean, even the run for that goal yesterday, how deep he yeah. was dropped in. There were four Barcelona players in front of him that he sprinted past, knowing exactly where he needed to be. And it makes again, he makes a ton of sense. So you would not want to see him on the left wing. And then Rafinha obviously can't play on the left. I mean, that is zero. Right. It's a zero. And so instead of putting Rafinha back on the right and then throwing Dembele on the left, you've got to have Dembele on the right. Lewandowski's got to be up top. And so that does bring up an interesting question where can Ansu start two games in a row? Can Rafinha or can Rafinha or should Rafinha be on the bench for three straight games? For, uh, for 55 million euros or whatever he was like it's yes that is the answer but it's also this un, you know it's an uncomfortable question but you'd also argue that once this Bayern Munich game is done especially if what Inter and, and Vittoria earlier in the day if that ends the way we think it will then by the time that kickoff begins Barcelona are already out of the Champions League into the Europa League so it's it's it doesn't matter and so Barcelona yeah. really going out and fighting for pride and you could argue that every La Liga match, of course, going forward is going to be important. Every Europa League match is going to be important. But there is a firm argument that Barcelona, they did not pass the test in October because of the El Clasico result, because of the Inter Milan results. But going against Bayern Munich, you kind of run that one out. You give your best 11 and you go out and you try to get some kind of result against Bayern Munich. And you use that to galvanize yourself in the Liga and Europa League because until after the World Cup, I mean, that's the one. So you put your best 11 out there. And then you kind of play it out. And that's how this season goes. So it's one of those that Rafinha was on the bench for three straight games. He'll get his chances in the Liga. Xavi's going to get the rotate because this team is good enough to win the Liga. Certainly. We even saw Papo Torre pop on for the last 15 minutes or so. You know, I guess I want you to answer that. But can we take a little aside real quick about Kessier? Because Kessier comes on yesterday. And I thought both both he and Boosie were the only two that I didn't really have compliments for. I think those two were kind of not up to what the rest of the team was putting out there yesterday. And for Kessier, he was really good in the preseason. And I was really excited about him. The AC Milan guys. He got more minutes. He got more yeah. minutes. You think it's that simple that he just needs more form? Yeah. Yes. He is, he's a rhythm player. Um, he really is. I mean, the more I watch him, the more I think of Paulinho. Watch his game. You watch the way he moves the ball. You watch the way he you know plays wall passes, then moves toward the, box he really is a rhythm well, player and was a, i will you, say polina though polina was a much better finisher than he is kessier's huge issue his whole career has been finishing but but yes. kessier on his game when he worked well with his teammates does move the ball quicker than polina does so that's the contradiction yes and uh, he is a better defender sure. yeah i agree with that he can finish um, he looked like a player out of rhythm his last two of Appearances and he is a player out of rhythm, yeah. right? I mean, he's just he's just after a preseason where he looked really good and looked like someone who would be in the competition for a relatively regular midfield slot. But I mean, we also thought at the time that Xavi would have the courage to readjust his system and begin to phase out Grandpa Busquets, right? but that didn't happen. And when that didn't happen, then your midfield is Busquets, Gavi, Pedri, then De Jong is in there. And so, you know, Kessie is the guy who comes off the bench if, you know, somebody gets injured or if it's late enough in a match where, ah, right, we'll throw him out there. So he's, right now he has no rhythm and he looks like it. And I, I think, and it's different from the um, problems we see with Busquets, where he just is not up to it anymore. 
And I know that people will say he's brilliant on the ball, blah, blah, etc. He He isn't anymore. He's too slow. And he slows the entire team down. And the through balls that he was making two, three years ago are now being picked off by defenders. And he had another horrific turnover yesterday that a club was lucky to uh, be able to clean up behind. I mean, he's just, uh, the more he plays for me, the more of a liability he becomes. And so the question is, does Xavi realize this and begin to get you know, Cassie more minutes with uh, De Jong and Pedri or in that four mid setup with with De Jong, Pedri, and Gavi? Don't know, but he looked totally out of rhythm yesterday, and it was not pleasant to watch. Well, I, I think that's I think Busquets is kind of the biggest question going against Bayern Munich. I, I think you'd expect to see a similar lineup that Xavi put against Villarreal because. Bayern Munich is, as we've seen before this season, an enhanced version of Villarreal. It's the same, basically the yes. same system, except Bayern Munich doing do it in the Bayern Munich way. <laughs> uh, and you know, I, I would also say play better players, right? And so I, I, Villarreal, though they've they've been good this year. They're fun to watch. I'm, I'm not disparaging Villarreal. It's just the difference between Villarreal and Bayern Munich. And it's interesting too because Villarreal is a team that knocked Bayern Munich out last year. So so yeah. what are we talking about, right? But when it comes to this game against Bayern Munich, again, I. Uh, it's hard to be positive because it's not in your hands. Victoria Pilsen has not been good in the Champions League, and they have to go out and they have to do something against Inter Milan and get a result in Italy, which, again, is is unlikely. But for Barcelona this season at home, and this is an important thing too, and one of the great positives of the season, that even though they've been punched in the mouth yesterday in a late match where you didn't have not a lot of visiting athletic club support, still 82,000 in the stadium plus. And so... Kules are showing out this season at home. And Barcelona gave up four goals. Gerard Piquet gets to take credit for two of them. Busquets and Eric Garcia get to take credit for one of them. And, th- and then there was one other goal scored. Uh, and that was against Victoria Pilsen, um, who, who just got like a consolation goal. So they've really given up. I mean, the regular starters have given up all of a half a goal this season at home. Uh, and that is, that is counting the Liga, where they have yet to concede. And then you're talking about the Champions League. And so there is yeah. something about home cooking going on and even if Barcelona are already in the Europa League, that kind of asks you what the stakes are for that Bayern Munich match. Because that's kind of the final thing here to do. It's pick our lineup and say, how important is this match? What does this matter? And who are the players that are going to go out there? I think what I will say, and I'll kind of answer it myself, there is a demon inside Barcelona in the back of their head about Bayern Munich. This is, they, I mean, they absolutely need to conquer them. I know they lost to Real Madrid this season in El Clasico last week. I know they lost. But that 4 nothing last season in the spring was so important to the mentality of this team in the Liga. And I think that 4 nothing did help this year galvanize them and say, hey, we can win the Liga again this year. And getting over Bayern Munich, I mean, I, I, that might be the more essential thing to next year's Champions League campaign than how they do in the Europa League. Or, I mean, obviously si- signings over the summer is going to be the most important thing they could do and Xavi continuing to build this project. But getting over the hump of Bayern Munich in the Champions League might be the most essential thing they do this season in the in the Champions League for next season. So, yeah, I mean, like, so Bayern is like, and I don't mean to go back in time, but when the Chicago Bulls couldn't beat the uh, Detroit Pistons, right, year after year in the playoffs. And when they finally did, that made that team really take shape. I feel, I mean... You could argue that Barcelona could have beaten Bayern in Germany had Pedri not Pedri made his sh- shots better, had Lewandowski not missed. Mm-hmm. Uh, for lack of a, I mean, they had chances to notch three or four goals in that match, and once the physical and mental supremacy of Bayern, and and that's what it is, right? I mean, Bayern is a mentally Stronger team right now. Barcelona, especially when you have the you know legacy of failure group on the pitch, they're not a mentally tough team. When when any adversity happens, right, they just don't know how to manage it. And I think that they have to at least draw Bayern at home, and then they might be out of Champions League, but they'll be able to uh, hop into their 
free Audi's drive home and feel better about themselves the next day. And that will set the springboard. It really is a shame that the World Cup break is coming up so quickly, right? Because, I mean, this team, the last two matches in Liga, you know, once you exclude uh, the Real Madrid match, I mean, they've really been in form and they look so good yesterday. So I, I think that they have to... They have to get a result against Bayern. No matter what Inter does, they have to get a result against Bayern. Because I feel like, psychologically, Bayern is their Detroit Pistons. They need to find a way to beat that team. Because right now, Bayern is not... I don't think they're that much better talent-wise. But mentally and physically, there's a gulf. You know, Same with Real Madrid. I mean, mentally, Real is so much that it never occurs to Madrid that uh, they're going to lose. Never. never. Barca gives up a goal and it's like, oh boy, here we go. Right? I mean, yeah. it's just, it's it's a mentally fragile team. And that result, any result against Bayern might start to shift some of that. And as you said, lead to a, and then, you know, post World Cup, knock wood, they've got a full squad back. They've got a fit out of who they've got. Kunde, they've got everyone they need to make a real run at not only the Liga, but possibly Europa League. Because I mean, this team has to win some silver this year. The gambles that, that the um, club took in the off season, as we saw laid out in a really good Twitter breakdown by Swiss Ramble, the club took some real chances in the off season with the money. And if they go trophyless this year, that's going to be brutal. So this, you know, Copa Europa, it's it has to win something. And I think that the Bayern result will dictate how the rest of this season goes for them. And whether they have a shot at winning anything, and if they don't, Xavi won't be fired. But next season, the ice will be getting pretty thin under his, his boots. Well, yeah, because that would technically be season number three or two and a half. And we know that season three is when the referendum comes, even for these, these club legends. But yeah, I agree about the fact that mentally for Bayern Munich, I mean, you know, as much as Real Madrid, you know, I, I don't know why I did this to myself a few weeks ago, but I watched Real Madrid against Adafe. It was the one where they, I think it was Eder Militao scored in like the third minute on a header. And then Real Madrid were like, ah, this match is, we're done with this. And they kind of, it was it. It was awful. I mean, the rest of that match was awful to watch. And yet, Real Madrid knew exactly what they needed to do, and they did it. And they do it ugly, and they do it in the, that awful Real Madrid way. And believe it or not, Bayern Munich, I have been able to catch enough of them in the Bundesliga this year. It's very much the same thing. Like there are teams that yeah. would surprise you who have gone out and punched Bayern in the mouth, and Bayern at times have not really had an answer in the Bundesliga for other teams that they should be beating on paper, but they've. You know, they get results because they're Bayern Munich. And there comes a moment when occasionally they flip that switch. But very much like Real Madrid, they're, sometimes the switch doesn't flip and they're fine with it. And they go, okay, well, we're just going to win the next one because that's who we are. We're the winners. We do what yeah. we do. And there's that, that mentality thing that, that changes. And the only thing that I can say, you know, I didn't get to do any scouting or anything while I was walking around Munich. But I will say that it was rainy and it has been rather dreary the last few days there. And so I'm hoping that everyone's just coming in and moping in and in, in bad moods. But I can say that not having Manuel Neuer is important. So last piece of business, though, Kevin, is the 11 for Barcelona against Bayern Munich. I think for me, it's pretty set in stone. Unless Christensen, there are some rumors that he may be back for Wednesday. I don't think so. I think we're going to see Eric Thanks. and Kunde. And now that Roberto's out, I think you're actually calling on Bayerine pretty quickly. The other argument would be, would you have, well, exactly. You, it's, it's, a real, it's a real choice there. Would you rather have PK step back in with Eric no. and, no. Bayer, and rather no. Kunde as right back? Or would you rather have Bayerine and that means you're left with Kunde, Eric, Balde, of course, you and I agree on that. I think Gabi, now that he's questionable, I think that really brings everything under fire. I think Pedri and De Young are definitely your starters. And I cannot see, I can't. Regardless of whether what you and I would want, I don't think we could possibly see Kessier get the start over Busquets. I think if Gabi can't go, no. it's going to be Busi, De Young, and Pedri. And then up top, as I've said, 
I think you have to go onto Lewandowski Dembele because of form and the way that this team is currently playing with that setup. I think that has to be the front three. So I don't know. Do you have any? Do you have any arguments or disagreements? It seems like logically that's kind of the eleven that I put myself in. I mean, I, I think just because of circumstance, it has to be how it is. I think. I mean, yes, I would love to see Xavi run out, you know, Kessie and instead of Busquets. I think the the team would be better for it. I, I think they'd be better for an attack, a defense and ball circulation. But we both know that's never going to happen. Mm. So, I mean, that midfield is going to be a problem because none of them are fleet of foot. None of them are very physical. I don't think that while I love the runs that, that uh, De Jong makes, he doesn't have the physical capabilities to get back into where he needs to be after those runs. And so suddenly you have Pedri caught up, you've got uh, De Jong trying to run back, and there's, you know, Boos Skets just sort of waiting for any kind of contact, hoping he can fall over and get a foul call to stop the attack. But, you, but you're it's talking not about, I just, for clarification, you're talking about De Jong as an interior in front of De Jong, I mean, in front of Boos Skets, and not about... Yes. De Young as the pivot against Villarreal because, I mean, that's what made him the man of the match against Villarreal was his positional discipline was excellent. I mean, that was the best positional di- discipline and positional awareness that we have ever seen from Frank and Young in a Barcelona uniform in that match against Villarreal. Yes. And so my midfield would be De Young in the hole with Pedri and Kessie. Right, That'd be my midfield. Xavi won't do that, but that is what I would do. And then the other... Thing I, and my only argument for moving Dembélé to the left might be the interplay potential between he and Balde. I think that those two um, have the potential to make things happen. Fati, I mean, he's not looked all that good his last outing, but as you know, he's sort of the least, least bad of Shabby's options because you have if you play Rafinha, you have to play him on the right. You have to because he can't play on the left. And Fran Torres doesn't defend well enough. I, mean, I know people talk about runs and how he uses space, blah blah blah, etc. Now in the wing, he doesn't. Yeah. He's just a cipher out there. Uh, he can't be anybody off the dribble. Loses every physical challenge. So you can't use him. So it had I I mean it has to be Fati by process by process of. And so I don't know if that team is good enough to beat Bayern. It might be good enough to draw Bayern. And even a draw would be huge. Mm-hmm. Or like a two two or three three would be huge for them. So we'll see. I mean, but now does he Use Alonso as a center back? I mean, if you're asking me, I've rather have Eric Garcia or Kunde or Alonso. I mean, I don't think that's a conversation that I'm willing to have, Kevin. <laughs> I, there's no way I want to. He's done it before, though. Yeah, but there's no way I think I would, I would like to see Marcus Alonso and then as the left center back and then Eric as the right. And then, I mean, yeah, now you're asking Alonso or Bayerid. And what we saw from Sergio Roberto working with Dembele. And I think that's what Xavi should do for Bayerine and say, hey, I know you're not Sergio Roberto. I mean, Bayerine's ability to come inside is not what Sergio Roberto's is. Uh, positionally, no. Roberto has a lot more positional sense in that way. But I would say that if you're Xavi, you're going to say to Bayerine, hey, I want you to do your best Sergio Roberto impression, believe it or not, of what you just saw him do against Athletic Club. And let's try to see that uh, at the back. But I, I think I agree with you. I'm a bit worried that, that Xavi is going to start I, I'm a, I'm a bit worried that he's going to start uh, that that he will start Marcos Alonso in some way, and yeah. if and obviously he shouldn't be at left back, so he'll be at, at the left center back position. But that said, we have heard reports. Like I, I know that we've not got an update yet, but we have heard reports. Yesterday we heard that Gabi is likely going to be available, and if he's available, Gabi's going to start. If I mean one hundred percent. So I think we may be able to talk our way out of that pretty quickly. And again, Christensen has not been ruled out. He's not been ruled in. Christensen has not been ruled out. And so I think if Christensen is good to go, we've seen from Xavi so far that 
Barcelona seemed to have, I mean, I, I think Ricard Pruna being back is really important, but Xavi has trusted his doctors and it has worked to good effect. Barcelona players yes. are not getting hurt this year other than, I mean, obviously, Sergio Roberto dislocated shoulder is a lot different from Xavi overworking him, right? That's a dislocated shoulder. Gabi got hurt against Athletic Club. That was a tackle. That was not something that you prepare for or something that you that's about recovery and rest. But anything that has to do with diet, recovery, training sessions, intensity, Barcelona have been healthy this season. So if his doctors, and that being Pruna, says Christensen is good to go, you can start him. Gabi is good to go, you can start him. Then Xavi is going to start those players. And yes. so I think the, the scenario that you and I are creating is the worst version of the eleven that Xavi might have available, if that makes any sense. Yeah, I mean, I, I think I just, I've written before I've said before, I think that PK, I think the captains, right? When next season comes along, if any of those captains are still with the club, then something's gone horribly wrong. Um, I think what they represent psychologically even sitting on the bench, I, I, it's just they there's a legacy of failure present in those people that I believe feels contagious. And I think, I mean, never mind the limitations that that Busquets already has. I just think he's representative of something you don't need when your team undergoes hardship. And there will be hardship against Bayern. You can count on it. I worry about that match. I feel like if they concede first, it could get grim. I would love to be wrong. And I think that the biggest problem for me is that when Busquets starts, Barca is too easy, too easy to defend. They just are. And so, hence my argument for, you know, Kessie de Jong, Pedri, or you know, maybe even a four-man where you add Gavi. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, I think that Xavi has to find a way to move the ball more rapidly against elite teams. Yep. He does. And I think, I mean, right now in La Liga, there are two elite teams, or one and a half, I think a real, they're elite. I think that um, Barcelona um, has capability of being elite, but they're not there yet. And that's it, right? So that's why they can uh, have the success in league that they're having because they're sort of the second quasi-elite team. If Real gets a couple of stumbles or has a rough Champions League run, you could see maybe um, Barcelona nipping them at the line for the league. You could see them maybe doing well in, in Copa del Rey. I don't think if that squad goes to Europa League, I don't think that squad is good enough to win Europa League unless something magical happens in the midfield, right? Because it, it's no matter what midfield permutation you, you have, it's too slow. And so any reasonable counter will break that midfield up. Part, and then you've got three or four attackers running at a uh, back line that's going, holy crap. Yeah, I mean, the only thing about the over, I will say, is that I know that we talk about the big giants are all there. Athletic, I mean, uh, Atleti is there and, and Juve is there. But it's like Marvel Comics. Like each of the big teams that are in Europa League this year all have some kind of Marvel flaw. Like each of them oh, has yeah. some kind of major issue where on their podcast, they're all saying, how is this team that's in the Europa League, this big team, how would they, A, doesn't have a squad that's good enough to win it. Like, why why not? And two, there's a reason that that team is there. And that flaw is why, you know, we, you know what I mean, with quotes around that, we aren't going to win the Europa League this year. But anyway, Kevin, I will say that I'm hoping I don't have to use it. But I, I am letting you know that, you know, you're a journalist and I am going to steal legacy of failure if Barcelona fails to get a result against Bayern Munich. If they, it's all if yours. If they get blown off the field, I can tell you that, the second podcast of this week will probably be titled Legacy of Failure. And I'm hoping that I don't have to use it. But today, obviously, it's going to you've already seen it. It's Demolay's best. So it was all positive today. More positive than you and I usually get to do, Kevin. But I would appreciate 
you coming on the show as always. So remember, you can follow him down in the show notes below. You know, he's got more and more time. Now that he's in Portugal, just hanging out and then and getting to, to tweet and think about Barcelona. So, Kevin, as always, thanks for your time. Pleasure. And thank you so much for listening to the show. Again, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook group, Patreon, merch store, YouTube. You know where to find us. So thanks so much for listening to the Barcelona podcast. Until next time, we'll talk to you soon. Go to Barca. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.